When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Two, three, maybe a fourth. They're coming out of his beat six and seven. Top the ball, it's his friend and eight. Oh, wow. No, no, no. Trials done and dusted for another year and seven days out from Team List Tuesday, the first one of the new year that is. Ryan and Tommy back with you. This is the Supercoach 365 podcast. Tommy, big weekend of footy and looking forward to round one. That's what we are. Yeah, it can, so close you can taste it now, isn't it really? Um, seven days away, like you said, from probably the biggest day of the Supercoach year, the first time this Tuesday, it really will determine a lot of what people are doing and uh, a lot of drafts already underway as well. So it's a really exciting time of the year. Yeah, we'll chat a bit of draft later. Uh, before we get to that though, Tommy, we dropped our uh, first team reveal this time last week, and the next day there was some ca- uh, ca- catastrophic news with uh, McInnes out, so we're going to get that uh, updated later on in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Before we get uh, stuck into uh, a wrap-up of the trials and everything else uh, that happened at the weekend, take the chance now to either subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching us there, give us a thumbs up, turn the notifications on or uh, press follow or subscribe on the podcast feed if you're listening to us there. Uh, Tommy, before we dive into the trial wrap, what about the amount of news that dropped across the weekend or uh, Monday night? Uh, I guess it headlined, of course, by Brandon Smith and Reese Walsh getting a reduction on their bands. Yeah, big news, really, especially uh, Brandon Smith. I think he'd probably been a bit of a song we haven't spoken about too much because we knew he was going to miss games but uh yeah coming back now i don't know what's your take on this do you think it's fair enough i know latrell's use the same loophole and we didn't Mm. really talk about that but uh do we think it's sort of being abused now this system i mean it's got to go both ways doesn't it if it if you can get suspended in that game then it has to count as a suspension i think so we saw rapani get suspended for two games i don't think you can you know you can't count it as a game and get suspended in it if you're not getting it the other way so i think it's fair enough for mine I think it's odd the timing of it, though, that it wasn't all coordinated as one because, obviously, the NRL would have known that Walsh and Smith would have played in that game. But anyway, for super coaches though, it has big impacts because Brandon Smith 
Not so much Reese Walsh because he was missing two games, but Smith, now that he's back for round one, it just opens up that conversation around Hooker, particularly given McInnes has gone down as well. Yeah, McInnes won. We'll obviously touch on that later with updates to our team. So that was uh, big news last week. But yeah, it kind of looks a bit amateur that they've sort of let Brandon Smith and Reese Walsh off five days after Latrell. It kind of mm. looks like they've realised their mistake a little bit. And we saw, I guess, Ricky Stewart today blowing up a little bit about that. And you know, Ricky Stewie loves a blow up. But um, I think he had a few points today, which I kind of would back him up on. Ricky says that the Raiders have been copping it up the arse for some time. Now, I don't know what that feels like. Tommy, do you? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but look, I think when you look at the weekend, uh, the balance of the play on the weekend, I think Lindsay Collins, his shot on the Tigers play where he did below the knee going, yeah. dropping. Like very dangerous tackle, really, and that didn't even warrant a suspension. And then you see Rapana obviously getting two extra shoulder charge. I don't know. You're comparing apples to oranges, but I do think there is probably a lack of consistency there. Well, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? I think we'd be all happier if there was more consistency and maybe if common sense was a little more common. But it is hard to apply, I guess, a blanket rule for different scenarios. And uh, I don't know, Rapana, you might be able to tell us as a Raiders fan who's probably kept more track on his career, but is he someone who's been suspended a lot? Does that two weeks... in, in maybe incur a bit of loading in the past has he done this before because I don't I don't think he has the cleanest record where I know for certain Colin's got a discount on his suspension because he had not been suspended prior yeah well if that's a factor that's fair enough it may be the case because I think I do remember last year Rapana did a similar thing in making a, a try-saving tackle he kind of led with his shoulder so he's got a little bit of form so yeah perhaps that is why we touched on McInnes there, and obviously uh, we've spoken about him a lot in this preseason, about his value and coming back from an injury, and he was very well priced, we thought, given what we expected his output to be. But news broken by David Riccio last week that he's expecting uh, McInnes to miss up to a month to start the new season. That really, I guess, brings that value into question if you can start with him for starters. Yeah, it's disappointing because obviously, like myself, I was really keen on him all offseason. Even last year, I knew he would be one of the first people I picked this year. But um, yeah, it's it really adds a lot of questions to to my mind. Not not even the fact that he's going to miss the first few weeks, but more when he comes back, is he going to be ready to play eighty minutes straight away? We might mm-hmm. have been, we might be waiting six weeks for him to be at his best, which I don't think we can afford uh, because he is so minutes dependent. And we we worked it off, sorry, worked it out as if he would be playing. 80 minutes and if worst case maybe 70 but that's just not to be now I don't think he comes back and plays 70 straight away because you look at the Sharks uh, last night in that game against the Bulldogs they've got players like uh, Royce Hunt rather and Sifatalakai who can play through the middle as well young Franklin Pele so they're they're not short on middles there the Sharks so McInnes is probably going to be eased back and that obviously hurts his, his output in the end yeah I think like long term maybe in draft I still think he's a good option I think he'll come good probably later in the year, but I just think he might be a bit of a, a slow burner and these injuries could, could really give him a slow start compared to other options at Hooker and, and at 2RF, of course. We'll get into that a little bit later. Don't go anywhere. Stick around for our team updates. So we'll give you an update today and then this time next week, Team List Tuesday, we'll run. Uh, we'll, we'll show you what we'll be running with uh, come Thursday night and hopefully no injuries between Team List Tuesday and uh, kickoff at round one. Anything else, Tommy? I think we spoke a little bit before, uh, before we went on air about Cleary and Pappenhausen question marks whether they'll be there for round one as well are we any clearer I think Pappenhausen uh, Bellamy's playing mind games and Cleary you think he's probably a little bit closer and more of a chance to, to play than Paps yeah not too certain on either but just going off the interviews I saw on the week and I thought Ivan Cleary 
reading between the lines kind of sound like Nathan would be there. So I've kept him in my team for now, and I'm hoping that he will be there because that's obviously going to be a massive disruption if he isn't. As for Paps, I don't know. I think on Fox Sports they were talking, you were saying the other day that he wasn't going to be there, but then Bellamy hasn't ruled him out yet. So not sure. But again, very, very much watch his space because he's an important player, isn't he? Both of them are, really. And I think both of them... I think I'd be more inclined to hold on to Cleary than I would be a turbo if it was the other way around. Like, Cleary at his price and given how dominant he is and the lack of depth at halfback, even if he wasn't there round one, and again, without going too much into detail now because we will do this later, little spoiler, I think I'd be more inclined to keep him there anyway. But anyway, we'll get into that a little bit later. Before we dive into the trials, let's push this one more time because I had a look today and there's up over 850 people who have joined us or have said they're going to join us uh, to this point. Our overall group code, you see Nathan Cleary and coincidentally Ryan Pappenhausen on the screen there. Uh, absolutely free to play this. Just simply join at the code there, 576855. $100 free to play. That cash to the overall winner. Most points scored come the year's end. And uh, the only condition is, is you have to follow us on Instagram. But if you're already listening to this, then I dare say, uh, you're in the running already. So, Tommy, we've said it a couple of times, but absolutely no reasons why you shouldn't. And 870 people, given that, that's a fair take up, that's almost 1% of Supercoach. So, people are, are flocking to the SC365 overall group. Yeah, I'm blown away by the amount that we have. Uh, it's really good to see. And look, if you're sitting there listening to us thinking our teams are terrible, we'll go join and try beat us because uh, that'll give you the chance to do it. Hopefully, we can get to our uh, four figures before the season starts. Speaking of that, weren't they quick to come out of the woodwork last uh, Tuesday, Wednesday night when we put the video up on YouTube in the team reveal? Uh, people were quick to share their thoughts, which is great because, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, especially at this time of the year before a ball's kicked. And uh, we're all starting on zero points, which is, uh, which is exciting, I guess, as much as it is nerve-wracking this time of year. Tommy, let's get into the trials. Manly v Raiders, they kicked us off last Friday night and... This time we sat here last week and we spoke about Turbo, how nervous we would be to, to start the year without Turbo. I found a way to get him and Cleary in. Watching that game after it, people were quick to say, oh, were well, you concerned, Turbo, you know, 40 minutes, didn't score a try, didn't really get too much involved. My answer was no. But the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I can sort of see why people would be anti-Turbo, but he went very close to scoring a try. If he scores that try, we're not having this conversation right now. Yeah, that was a big moment. I think it was maybe five or 10 minutes into the game. And it was a classic manly right side play. And he went very close. Like you say, I think it was actually quite well defended by Matt Tomoko there. So look, I didn't have turbo last week. I'll leave it up to see if I do have him later in the podcast, but I, nothing the other night screamed that he was going to be bad this season. It was just, I don't know. It was a tough game. It was quite slippery. I don't think it really suited him and Raiders played quite well. Well, that's another thing we're going to have to consider, isn't it? And probably won't be until that first Thursday when we know what the conditions are like here in Sydney. Obviously, the Eastern Seaboard's been copping a beating. We've seen pictures from Suncorp Stadium, which has been underwater. Thankfully, to this point, Penrith Park seems to be uh, fine, but it's pretty close to the Nepean. So if things spill over our Penrith way, not saying they are and not, you know, not implying they will, but I'm saying that if it's a wet footy out there at the foot of the mountains... Maybe we're expecting low scoring, and then it's a simple decision. Maybe you go around turbo as opposed to a dry track, round one, turbo on the front foot. Yeah, the rain is going to be a big consideration all of a sudden because we're only nine days out, and honestly, the next seven-day forecast is just rain every day all up and down the East Coast. So 
But then again, you know, if Turbo is putting the brakes on in the rain, so are other players like Teddy and Paps. So it might just bring everyone back down a little bit lower. Something to definitely consider, though, and you may look towards a cheaper option. One of those options that was speaking about was spoken about a hell of a lot before last week even was uh, Xavier Savage from the Raiders. But I guess his performance up against Chance Nickel Klockstad in those two games that we've seen, you think Ricky's going to go with the elder statesman there in CNK? I think so. I think uh, the fact that Savage, CNK didn't even play the other night and Savage didn't finish the game at fullback. They ended up putting Seb Chris there. I think that was, I don't know, if you're banking on Savage playing round one, you would have wanted to see him play fullback the whole time, not be out on the wing. So yep. he seemed to get a little bit dominated by the manly uh, forwards. I, I don't know. I think I think to start the year, you'd rather just be safe and go with CNK. So that probably makes, I guess, Savage not a great option now in, in classic as he might have been. Has he played himself out of the 17 entirely, or you think because Rapana is suspended, he probably finds his way onto the wing? But you mentioned Seb Chris there. Tomoko was good. Obviously, there's depth there with Jared Croker. I don't think, did he play on the weekend? Not sure if he did. If he didn't, there's his chance to come back into the, the run-on side anyway. So there are options there in the outside backs for the Raiders. Yeah, there's a plethora of options. Croker only played about 10 minutes, and I, I don't know. I wouldn't pick him personally. I just don't think he gives us as much as other other outside backs do. Kotrick just obviously going to be one winger. We could see Savage on the other wing, but yep. yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see him uh, miss out altogether, really. Yeah, unfortunate if you are going that way, and particularly if you went Turbo Savage. Or Anyway, you've got time to, to make amends there. I guess for Manly, though, the tale for the Seagulls was not so much Tom, but players around Tom who starred last year. Um, Olakawatu and Dylan Walker, two of three major injuries for the Seagulls, and obviously Marty Tapao amongst that as well. So I guess this is the bad side of trials. We see Manly probably a little bit weakened heading into round one as a, what they would have been hoping for anyway. Yeah, for sure. Big injuries. And uh, obviously, if you're looking at those players, it's really disappointing. But also for players like Turbo and DC, I think it hurts them. You know, they don't have those players in Manly team now. It probably does lead to lesser scoring for those for those big games. Yeah, I've heard even guys like uh, the Guru and Weekly Rubdown, particularly, you know, through that draft lens, looking at players like Ola Kawatu and the short ball off Cherry Evans's hip and, uh, you know, stacking those players that the Turbo's going to feed. And obviously, Garrick was one who avoided injury. Uh, but there are others there. Dylan Walker, his role throughout the back end of last year for Manly was very, very good. So they may uh, that may, though, lead the, the path for Manly to pick the cheapie and cooler, who at the bottom dollar price would be a very popular get if yeah Walker's out and, I guess, oh, I don't know, if they want to reshuffle their team. Obviously, uh, Harper didn't play. Parker is steady without being incredible. So there are options there for Manly if they are to go with the cheapie cooler. Yeah, absolutely. With Walker out, the 14 spot is open. I don't know how versatile Cool is. I don't know too much about him other than he's very fast. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like you say, Harper and Parker aren't world beaters. So we could see Cooler get a spot. I've got him in my team at the moment just in case. But if he's named there next week, yeah, he's, uh, his ownership will be over 50%, I'd always think. Hot take, 13 minutes in. I don't think he's that fast. He's quick, but Saab had him cut. Yeah. Like you see Saab, he was jogging next to him. So we've heard these raps on Cooler, oh, you know, the fastest man in rugby league. I think Saab and Adokar have him covered. Anyway. Well, yeah, but that, you're comparing him to, you know, Usain Bolt of rugby league because Saab is a freak. Saab put paid at Savage the other day too. Yeah, Savage is quick as well. Um, also on Friday night, uh, still up there on uh, the Central Coast, the Roosters and Tigers, talk about rain. There was plenty of rain around for this one. 
I guess a lot of eyes were on the Tigers duo, the English imports, if you can call Hastings that. Uh, Jackson Hastings and uh, Oliver Gildart both played pretty handy, I thought. Um, they didn't, I guess, lose any admirers anyway. But the standout for mine, I think, the Tigers, Luciano Leilua. He was uh, a different class. Yeah, 100%. I was going to probably raise it if you didn't. Um, he was... He, I've seen a few times uh, people saying in trials, you want to see the NRL players looking to stand it above. And I think Leilua looked to stand it above the other night. He was mm. the best player on the field. And I was sort of hoping you didn't pick up on it. So I get him in draft instead of you. But um, yeah. looks like you picked up on it yourself. It's funny, but, yeah, I was, um, I was Hastings, watching that, thinking about draft as well. And I was like, oh. I was actually disappointed he scored because I was like, yeah. fuck, now everyone's seen that. But, you know, he was doing things yeah. throughout the game that were, that were draft worthy that you thought, if he can just... You know, come off the field, have a rest, and he's done enough to spark my interest. But anyway, he went and scored a try. Everyone saw that. Yeah, no, he was very good, and it's pretty well publicised now that he did play well. But yeah, the Tigers, um, after five minutes when they led in that first try, I thought it was going to be one of those nights. But they they actually fought back pretty well and played played a decent brand of footy. For the Roosters, I guess what comes into question for them, I don't think they'll be disappointed they lost and that they've lost both trials because they've been without a host of stars, Teddy Crichton. Uh, who else hasn't played? Kiri, obviously not there. Manu's been on limited minutes. But Sam Walker, we heard all off-season how much size he'd put on. I don't know if he has. And I didn't see him kick a goal or even attempt to kick a goal. So I think his value it was hyped up you know, in the preseason. I'd, I'd heard so many people say, myself included, that if they had the chance or the choice or the need to pick between Kiri and Walker, that we'd go Walker. But I'm not so sure now. Yeah, I've been thinking a similar thing. Like coming into the season, I was pretty keen on Walker, but then closer analysis of his scores last year, after that initial start where he got, I think, two scores over 100, he really did battle late in the year. And then you know, I agree with you, he doesn't really look much bigger. I can see him kind of getting manhandled a little bit in defense. And his goal kicking, if he does take uh, the tee, I think he was only at 50% last year. So it's not like he's a star off the boot. Yeah, wait and see. Obviously, I think Kieran took the goals the other night and kicked none from two, maybe none from three. Uh, whether or not he gets a start in this team, I think he does for round one because Manu will play six in Kiri's absence. If, if he is absent, I think. Have they confirmed that? I'm pretty sure they have. But um, that means Momorowski even gets a chance maybe to kick goals and you assume he gets the right centre role. If, if Kieran's not there, that is. Yeah, I think Kira's going to miss. I think Manu's going to be sick, so you might be right. But where's Billy Smith? Is he injured as well? He's always injured, I think. Um, I think he's coming back. So he and Sawali both uh, working their way back from injuries. So that's why Nagama's been so prevalent, I think, down that right side. But maybe it's Sawali's jersey and, and Nagama's just keeping it warm. Anyway, for what it's worth, I don't think Sam Walker holds the super coach relevance. He might have if he is kicking goals. And if he did come out and, you know, Take a couple hits and, and bounce back up off the ground. I just didn't see that the other night. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to have a shocker this year, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rate him above Kiri. No, I think uh, Kiri will be the main focal point of that Roosters attack. And we've said all off season that we're keen on the Roosters, so I still think Kiri is, uh, even though he's going to miss probably the first week. I think, I think, I still think it's a pretty good option. Yep, Saturday Arvo, obviously the 3 p.m. game. We didn't get a chance to see that given the rain up there at Redcliffe. So the Warriors-Titans postponed to Monday and eventually uh, cancelled entirely. So the first footy we saw on Saturday, it was supposed to be a super-duper Saturday, but still three games. The first one, Eels and the Panthers. 
This was probably the surprise result. I know the Dragons beat Souths, and Souths were short price favourites, but this, and I guess the way that the Eels won more so, was what people will be talking about this week and leading into round one. Yeah, well, the way they won exactly right, 36-0. Like, I know I've said last two weeks it's only a trial, but 36-0 is quite a scoreline, isn't it, for the uh, the Premiers to lose. Um, Eels were really good from what I, I didn't watch the game in its entirety, but the Eels were really sharp. Penrith just kind of looked a bit hungover and like they didn't care. Um, I watched the, the post-game conference with Ivan Cleary and he said it yeah. was pretty alarming, but he didn't seem too worried. I think for me, and I just watched the... Uh the KO minis, like the 18-minute, because I was uh, enjoying a few uh, brown sandwiches at the time. But the thing that stood out for me was Gutho's involvement um, and Dylan Brown's involvement. Reed Marnie looks quick and fit coming back from injury. Mitchell Moses did what he always does. But for mine, I think the Eels have a tough draw this year, but they're still going to have a premier spine in and players in their positions, which if you rank them across the NRL, they're probably top four you know, each of the fullback. I know we, we spoke about Gutho and, and I guess how invisible he can be at times in a stacked field of fullbacks, but you line them all up, their skill sets are, are right up there with the very best. Yeah, they are. And like you said there, like all four of those guys in the spine, they're all, they're not the best in their position, but they're, you know, they're in the top four or five and they're all pretty reliable too. Mm-hmm. Their positions aren't in any doubt and they, they're all seemingly pretty fit coming into the year. So they're all pretty good, safe options. Um, were you worried about what you saw from Penrith or do you just think it was a trial match and it doesn't matter too much? Oh, I'm not worried about the team. I'm worried about some individuals, namely Brian To'o. I think he was well contained in their conditions, which should suit his game. Um, you know, Not so much an expansive style because it was wet out there. And the fact that there was 36 points scored by the Eels, I guess, is more concerning for Penrith because they've built the last two years on defence. But you look at To'o, every time he took the ball, he didn't look like he was bursting or breaking tackles. He, he was getting bent backwards. So maybe you mentioned that word there, tired or hungover. Maybe we're seeing the first signs of that. And I know maybe we're reading into it too much, but without Cleary there, without Isaiah Yo there again, two of their captains, maybe it's hard to get too excited um, at an empty... Panthers Stadium as well but for mine To'o was concerning because given his price tag and given where he's going to go in draft leagues it's not what I wanted to see from Brian No um, I agree with you there and I think the fact it was at Penrith as well surprised me how heavy they lost because mm. I think you were saying they haven't lost it for so long and it was only a trial but still um, I think it does highlight how good Nathan Cleary is because he is just so so much the star of that team and I he, he his absence and their performance just made me want him even more, really. Yeah, and that's what we've said the whole year. He's the best halfback. And we've said it for probably, you know, well, when I say the whole year, all of last year and the start of this year as well, like he is just so far and away better than the next best number seven, not only in Supercoach, I think in, in NRL, to be honest. And it may sound hyperbolic, but his value in that team, it, it can't be... Under question for the Eels, speaking about backs, what about Russell and Penasini? Two cheapies. Can we run them both? I think that's the that's the conversation that we're going to have heading into round one. How many chips do we want to put on the table that are blue and gold? Because Eels, not maybe not the best run entirely. I think they have Melbourne round three, round four. So when those prices start to get calculated, these two cheapies are going to find tough going of it. But can we have them both? Should we have them both? I've uh, I've got one of them. I've got Penasini. I'll just let the cat out of the bag. Um, just probably because he played a bit last year, he looked solid. Uh, Russell's only really become a factor 
recently with their injuries and stuff. Um, I don't know. Did we see any scores the other day from Russell? Does he have any sort of base stats? Does he does he do any work? I yeah, that's I think that's the question, isn't it? What do we expect when he's not scoring tries? Because it looks all well and good when Gutho's dishing in ball. And we know Gutho's gonna lay on tries for him. We've seen it for, you know, two, three years with Make Sevo, that big cutout pass and he's gonna hit him on the chest. But when he is coming out of his end, is he a Sevo? Is he a Ferguson? I don't know. And to be honest, I haven't really seen a lot of him in uh, junior reps or flag uh, cup even. So that's the question. Penasini, I think he's got a bit more about him in that space. Like he can burst a tackle, a bit more Katoni Stags like Doesn't have to score a try to still get 55-60, which is good. But Russell, I'm not so sure. So I'm with you there. I'm, I'm on the Penasini train for now. But um, the way that the Eels played the other day, I could almost make a case for having both. I think I kind of decide naturally with centers more because I just assume they're going to get more ball and a bit more work. So that's probably another reason why I've gone Penasini there. Uh, we'll go to the Charity Shield now. This was the big upset for me. I know, again, it's only a trial, but this is, over the years, has been more than a trial. And we saw the Dragons beat South, so I did not see this coming. I think, before we get into this, how good will it be round one where we can stop saying it was only a trial? Oh, it's just a trial. That's almost... I'm looking forward to that just as much as anything. But yeah, as I said sort of before, the surprise result may be the Eels over the Panthers, but this is probably a close second, if not on the podium. I think the way the Dragons won as well, they didn't look too troubled in defence. I think South scored two tries, and I know that it was just a trial, and a lot of the 80-minute players didn't play 80 minutes for Souths. But the Dragons didn't look flustered, whereas in the past we could question their defence. And the other day, and I will preface this by saying again, I was having a few beers and I didn't watch all of it. I was at the pub and the sound wasn't on. But what I saw again, KO Minis coming into this, they looked pretty good. Yeah, they did. They looked uh, pretty composed in defence. House threw a fair bit at them from what I saw. Um, yeah, I, I was really surprised what I saw from the Dragons. I tipped them to come last. And maybe I'm looking silly after that. Who knows? I thought Sloan has probably been almost the player of the, the trials. He's looked mm. good in both games when he's been at fullback, hasn't he? He has, and he's silky. And even when he was on the wing uh, for a couple of stages in that game against Parramatta, he looked a class above the run-of-the-mill winger. Um, I don't know if we'll see his best this year, and I'll, you know, I'll say we won't because, what is he, 19, 20 years old? But he's got all the makings of. He's sort of in that um, Selwyn Cobbo bracket, isn't he? Like, you can see it there. He just needs two or three years to, to water the grass before we can see it shoot. Yeah, I think he might be maybe a year ahead of Cobbo because I think he did have a decent exposure last year. And yeah, I'm pretty, I don't have him in any of my teams at the moment, but I, I wouldn't say no to him. He's really starting to make a case. I think uh, obviously combining probably with Lomax and Ravalawa this year on that right hand side, I think that'll be a good combination. Yeah, we look forward to that. And I guess uh, otherwise um, for the Rabbitohs, Cody Walker scored a try. I think Lockie Ilias kicked a 20-40. I think that's just the second in the history. Um, the other one, Brandon Smith, funnily enough. Latrell to come back, they'll be better than that game. But again, the result's not everything, but they would have liked to have won. Yeah, they would have. But again, watching the coach's uh, interview after the game, I don't think he seemed too perturbed by the performance or anything. Cody played okay. Apparently, Ilias was pretty good. I didn't watch a lot of it, but Ilias was pretty good. Um so yeah, they obviously. I think Ken Murray was out as well. So they're missing a few guns. So I wouldn't be too uh, too worried about it. Yeah, they've uh, held the trophy for something like ten years. The Dragons' turn now, and obviously uh, they'll get another chance to win it back. Same time, same place, probably next year. Tommy, we're going to have a quick break. On the other side, we'll chat the remaining three games uh, that we saw at the weekend. Having a bet on sport this week? 
top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Supercoast 365, proudly brought to you again in 2022 by topsport.com.au. We've spoken at length about our, uh, our Supercoast 365 Futures special. It's been backed off the map now. Uh, $3.80 in from $7. Uh, you can't be backing it at that price. I still think it gets up, but, I mean, the value's gone. Yeah, the value's gone, really. It's unbelievable. Like When we saw $7 at the start, we were obviously very keen because it was the four things we were really keen on. But yeah, the, mm. the, uh, the punting public obviously agrees with us because it has been crunched. I think we've been justified as well by what we've seen in the preseason. Uh, we've spoken, obviously, about the Storm and how they look. The Roosters yet to win a game, but we know that they're key pieces of the puzzle still to come back. And obviously, uh, the Sharks look better on Monday night. We'll get to them in a second. The Knights, who we'll touch on now, arguably one of the poorest performances of the weekend. Actually, we're jumping ahead. Let's go back. Saturday night, Cowboys-Broncos. We'll finish it off there. We already mentioned a little bit of Selwyn Cobbo and those types, Katoni Staggs. These guys probably had a chance to come out and confirm their place, but the Cowboys just come out and, and run them off their feet. Yeah, I thought Brisbane looked pretty ordinary here. Like, um, the way Cowboys won was just very dominant. Um, few of the tries they scored, there was no Brisbane defenders in sight. So, yeah, I think there's a bit to work on up there. And a few of their players, which we were keen on as cheapies, I'm not so sure anymore. Yeah, I don't want to, um, and I said this with Pangai last week, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of a bad performance and just tear them out because we are obviously getting them in at a price and we're thinking they can make money over time. Adam Reynolds is the key cog, but for mine it looks like there's 16, 17 blokes out there and they're all looking for Adam Reynolds. And they're just like, well, where is he? And you saw him on the bench. I don't know if you saw some of those shots of uh, Reynolds sitting on the sideline and you could see it on his face. He's like, fuck, we've got a, we've got a big job to do here. Yeah, it's going to be a huge job. Like, I have faith in him that he will definitely make them a better side. But he's gone from a team oozing with talent to, you know, a team who they've got some talent, but they've got a lot of plotters as well, really. So I think, yeah, um, wasn't a great sign for the Broncos. I thought the Cowboys were pretty good. On the other hand, though, I thought Val was probably one of the best players in the field. Looked really good, kicking goals as well. Yeah, in the centres, which is funny because obviously he made his name as a, well, predominantly a winger. He always wanted to be a fullback. He's played his best footy for Australia and for okay, Queensland on the wing. Now playing somewhat out of position in the centres, but given his his hard-running style, he's quick, he's got some ball skills about him. Maybe a bit like Latrell, like he could be a great left centre, even though he does want to be a fullback. It's almost somewhat interchangeable the way the game's currently played. Yeah, well, Peyton's obviously decided he's not going to be the fullback for whatever reason. Um, maybe the Hammer's looking good there in, in pre-season, but... Yeah, I'm probably more keen on Val at centre than wing. I think I'm hoping he gets a bit more involved. And then to see him kicking uh, goals as well was good. Who do we think gets the Cowboys number six alongside Chatty? Do we think it's Dearden or Drinkwater? Excuse me. Uh, I think Dearden probably gets it off going off the other night. It's weird. Um, listening to Denon and um, the Guru the other day in their fucking marathon of a review of the <laughs> two hours, 50 minutes. Good on it, my man. Great content, I'm just saying. like. 
they really went went to town on this point. Was it Dearden or Drinkwater? Because for years we've said it as well. Drinkwater looks looked and had always looked the best of the Cowboys halves options. Uh, even when they had uh, Clifford there, obviously they signed Dearden, then they signed Townsend or the other way, De- uh, Townsend and Dearden. Now it's suddenly the one that we thought would be there is the odd one out, which is interesting because you asked me this six months ago, I, w- I would have had Dearden on the sideline. Yeah, and he had that massive, obviously, losing streak last year and he, he did play a lot better coming back into the season, I thought, and he did look good the other night. Drinkwater, like we say, he's had all his potential, but um, I don't know, is he just not realising it? In Supercoach terms, when he's been playing well, he actually scores quite well in Supercoach. So if he does get the spot, I reckon he's a bit of a he's a draft option. It's funny you mentioned Val and I guess his change of positions. Drinkwater coming through was touted as the next Melbourne fullback. And then obviously, uh, I think he got injured. He was the fullback. And then they went to Hughes and Hughes carved it up while Croft was still there. And then you know, we all know what happened there. And then Paps comes in. So maybe he's the fullback. If Hammer goes down, maybe it's a straight swap. I don't know. Keep Val where he is. Keep the halves. Because they obviously looked, you know, Chad's first game for the Cowboys. But, I mean, they look like they've played 20, 25 games together already. They didn't Towns in. It's probably a good segue into the next game. But isn't it amazing that Jerome Hughes, how many people he had to beat out to be fullback. And then he's become, you know, a supreme number seven in our game. And he looked good yeah. the other day against the Knights on Sunday other, didn't he? Premiership winning halfback. If we're playing Test tomorrow, he'd be the Kiwis halfback. So... Yeah, just natural footy player. And I went I went back and probably a little bit off course here, but go and do yourself a favour. Once you've finished here on YouTube, type in Jerome Hughes, uh, Queensland Cup highlights. I think it's about 2018, 2019. And he plays like a half then. And you can see, okay, well, this is... this is I can see why he's a good halfback now. He looked a little bit quicker then as well. Anyway, back on to uh, what we saw on Sunday. Munster and Hughes, yeah, they're class footy players and... Speaking about players playing between six and one or one and seven, Munster showed it. he's probably just as good as a fullback as any of them that are running around in the NRL at the moment. Yeah, other than well, I said Sloan was the pick of the trials, but Munster's trialed great twice. Uh, he's looking really good. Obviously, he's going to miss the first week, but he's going to be very popular in Supercoach uh, Hughes as well. Brandon Smith, uh, with him now, obviously not missing any game time. How much of a priority is he? I think you've got to look at who's around him as well. And obviously, pick of the ranks, obviously, uh, Harry Grant. Then probably Marnie, who's a little bit more conservative than Grant. Doesn't have a higher ceiling, but maybe a, a higher floor at the same time. Then it's Brandon. So suddenly from day one, you've got the the second best available hooker back. I made a point of saying that I think you could go cheap in the hookers. But I guess he he is one player who throws that out the, out the window, I think, because... I think he comes on, he plays 13, he plays 9. He even put in a kick for a try the other day. He's just a footy player as well. So it doesn't matter the, the jersey he has on his back. I think anywhere on the field, on any day in any team, he is one of the best players on the field. He'd be in the top four at least. Yeah, and I think that term, footy player, like whatever it means, I do agree with you. He is just a natural footy player, Brandon Smith. Um, he loves it. And I keep saying, though, last year he scored eight weeks in a row and that's boosted his stats. But I guess that's part of his appeal, isn't it? He, he yeah. can score tries. He can set up tries. So it doesn't mean that he's not going to do it again. He could do it again. Um, so, yeah, and his dual position eligible is massive in Supercoach as well. I think uh, you look at that first trial they played against the Warriors and close to the line last year we saw him pick the ball up and go himself. This time he was running that almost that Surfer Solomona line 
that crash ball at the post. And in the past, we've seen Bromwich and Welch do it. Uh, Tino, when he was at the Storm, invariably it was Brandon giving the pass or Cameron Smith. This time, Brandon's running the line. So maybe you say that his try scoring will drop if he's playing 13. I think it's probably maintained, to be fair. I think he scores against the Tigers round one. I'll say it now. I think he gets at least one try because you know they're going to get close. And if it's Wishart or Nicarima who's going to hit him hard, how do you stop that that body shape from two metres out? I don't think you can. No, I like it. And in the absence of other starts, he's going to have to stand up. So, yeah, that's a good point. I think he's he's a pretty safe option at 13 to, mm. to be in your super coach team. He's going to get constant scores, whether it be through base or attacking stats. I'm almost the other way. Like, I think... You knew with uh, with Grant there sniffing down his neck that maybe he didn't have the appeal as an 80-minute player. Now Finucane's gone. I don't know what's doing with Kamakamitha. Nass, he looked good in his return the other day, but Brandon almost has more appeal for me this time this year than what he did this time last year. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll see that round one. I think they do a number on the Tigers, whether perhaps is there or not to be honest uh, last game of the round this one was on Monday night and uh, as we say we're expecting two games on Monday we only got one but I think we saw enough from the Sharks to know or to to be backed up with what we've said in the preseason that they will be playing finals footy this year yeah they looked really solid didn't they um, the usual suspects stood up um, probably the only negative for them and I'll just mention it now because I had him last time way Graham injured how disappointing mm. he seems to um to find an injury, doesn't he, Wade? And this one, at least, the saving grace is is that uh, it wasn't a head knock. So I don't know what do we know what he's done. I know he's in a moon boot last night. Is he out for three, four, six weeks? What are, what are we dealing with? NRL physio was saying at the time it looked like possibly Sinus Moses. So hopefully not because that's often a six to eight week injury. But um, we'll have to wait and see. There, I moved him out of my team anyway. But uh, Sharks defense looked pretty good. What do we make of the dogs? Um, TPJ, <laughs> we have to talk about him. He was. He lost the plot, didn't he? I think I said uh, when we did our Front Row Forwards podcast that I think I had TPJ beating out Payne Haas as the best FRF on Supercoach this year. I'd like to formally retract that statement because um, what I saw the other day against the Sharks, that was just... He looked to have overcome that shit when he went to the Panthers. Like, he got that nonsense out of his game. We saw it at the Broncos a hell of a lot and probably reason why they wanted to move him on, but... It's back, and it's it's back in a big way. If that's the trial game, and he's getting fired up by Royce Hunt, who's a Newtown Jet on on his one of his worst days, then what, what's he going to get when he runs into a a Madison or a, or a Murray or a Tarek Sims on an edge that's going to fire him up? It was really worrying, wasn't it? Because like I've said off season, like I see what you're saying about how he can be a really good scorer, but that other side to him, and you see it in a trial match, like you say, like you think that's the time where you just pretty relaxed but the things he was doing yesterday he's just shaking your head at and as soon as someone in an NRL game gets under his collar you can just tell he's going to react so yeah he's a big no-go for me um just just danger signs already really and it's disappointing because you can see the talent there and you don't make an origin squad or play for your country for Tonga if you if you don't have the makings of a good player so he's got all the pieces he just needs to put it together elsewhere though for the dogs I guess Burton was okay. He scored a try, which probably gives him some relevance. He's kicking goals, which shocked me a little bit. I know he, he previously kicked some goals at Penrith, but Avarillo was always touted as to be the, the dog's kicker, and I thought he kicked well last year. So Burton kicking goals, does that spike your interest at all? Yeah, it does. I'm not sure how much are we kicking off the dog's performance yesterday, but 
it definitely helps. Um, and they're going to be, I think the biggest problem for Burton is a lack of halfback with him. He's really going to have to do everything himself. That could help in super coach terms because we have to obviously touch the ball a lot more and get more scores, but I'm not really sure Avrilo is the answer at, um, at seven, is he? No, and you asked me last night how long till Flano's a plumber or a carpenter, and it's sad. It's a it's a sad reality, but he he's constantly thrown to the wolves, Flano. And I've seen him play footy, and we've seen him at the Roosters. I think he made a semi final in what was really his first year. I know he was at a great club, but he's got he's got potential, Flano, and it's sad because he is just getting thrown to the wolves. He comes on with literally five to ten minutes to go. He's with a pack of reserve graders around him he's, he's got no quality around him so it doesn't help his cause i don't think no it doesn't but um i just think the fact that when he left roosters like and it was quite surprising at the time i think he was almost top point scorer in the game in mm. 2020 and then all of a sudden he's out the door like and trent robinson's a smart coach so like i don't know obviously you knew something there i don't think it's uh what, how do i say this so this time last week last wednesday i think it was announced that shane flanagan Picked up his job back at the uh, at the Dragons as a list management consultant. He might be doing a bit of consulting with Son Kyle, I think, because I mean, you look Ben Hunt. He's edging towards the back of his deal. I don't know. Will the Dolphins make a play for him? There's going to be some even as a depth signing. We know the Dragons love signing depth. They could do worse. I said nepotism the other day about Billy Walters and and uh, and Kevin Walters. Maybe it's time for Shane to pull out the the contract and the pen for Kyle because. He needs a new home. The dogs just clearly is a bad fit. Yeah, I don't think there's much of a future there. Um, the only other point I'd say about this game is Josh Adokar over the last few years, he's sort of been the player that, you know, every now and then he'll score three tries and get over 100 points. Does he completely lose that appeal at the dogs? Or is he going to get much ball? Yeah, I picked him up in a dynasty league probably uh, a week and a half ago for people playing at home. Uh, dynasty, a draft league, essentially you keep your players that you draft this year for however long you want them, really. I thought with Burton there, he would look better. He doesn't have the base, we know that. I think, yeah, what you say there about losing that high ceiling, it's gone from what I've seen, at least for this season. I could be wrong, I hope I'm wrong, because I think we might have even said this ourselves a couple of weeks ago, or even back in the last year when he did sign with the Dogs. We saw what signing with the dogs meant for Nick Cottridge. He lost his origin jersey. I'd hate if the same happened to Ado Carr because he may not score 20 tries a year. He may not look as good at the Bulldogs as what he did at the Storm. So that's a big influence and a big impact it may have on his representative hopes. Yeah, I still think we'll see him there. Just his performance for New South Wales over the years has been too good to to deny. So, yeah, but I do agree with you. I think that high ceiling's gone. I don't really see him as a good option in Classic anymore at all. Um, the other game that wasn't played, just quickly on it, do you think that hurts those two teams, the Warriors and the Titans, not having that real good hit out? Because they've both got inexperienced spines, which we haven't really seen yet. I think that could hurt them going into round one. Yeah, and there's plenty of questions to come out of it for Supercoach as well. I guess um, the Titans, a lot of people were keen on Sexton, may still be keen on Sexton and his combination with Brimson. I think we saw it for maybe 40 minutes. Who's kicking goals to the Warriors? What does that spine look like with Nicarima and Harris Tavita at fullback? And I don't know, questions we don't have answers to. Just before we move on and go to a break, I want to just touch on Nico Hines. Somehow we uh, we glossed over Nico. I thought he was pretty good in his first Sharks outing and Dale Finucane as well. The key thing for mine with, uh, with the Sharks is not so much the 30 points they scored, 
But Craig Fitzgibbon coming in and conceding 30 points his first week against the Panthers wouldn't have been happy. Suddenly you inject a bit of class in probably more so Finucane than Hines, but premiership players, and straight away they, they cut aside to six. It just goes a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, they defended really well. They looked like they were ready for the season to start, and Canberra playing them in nine days' time, a bit nervous already after watching that, because I think they did look really solid. Hines looked every bit a seven, I thought. Like, he really surprised me. He organised the game really well. Mm. I didn't really know he was capable of that. So, yeah, that was a big performance from Hines, I thought. It's going to take you back to February 17, so about two weeks ago when we spoke about, uh, I think it was in our Sharks preview. Bit of humble pie I'll eat here because I, I said in that podcast his output will be dented at the Sharks. The Storm scored 34 points per game and he kicked goals for most of those tries. The Sharks just aren't scoring those points. First time he rocks up for the Sharks, they score 30, 30 points, he kicks five from five. So maybe the Sharks are. Maybe they're going to surprise us all, to be honest, because I think we all had them there playing top eight footy, but... I don't want to jump the gun, but they could be a top four team depending on those sides around them, South, me and the Eels. Yeah, I actually have not coming fourth. And what I saw yesterday, I was pretty keen to back that up again. I'm not sure about Heinz's goal-kicking technique. I think mm. you mentioned it to me yesterday as well. Like He did kick five from five, but looks a bit shoddy. But yeah, anyway, he's got the job, it looks. It's like a penalty shootout when they uh, step in the stutter and try and put the keeper off. Anyway, Nico uh, raised the flags and it's... I think he said in the off-season in a Walter, uh, sorry, a yarn with Brad Walter from NRL.com, he said that he wanted to do the goal-kicking. For me, that says there's a, you know, he wants to be the man. So you say he looks every bit of seven. Yeah, no questions on that. And his combination, I think, with uh, Britton Nakora on that right side as well, it's going to spark some interest. I saw some um, some scores floating around on Twitter. That I think it was all NRL SC stats or something along those lines put together from that game. And they had uh, Britton Nakora down for for about 57, 60 points from his 65 minutes played with a try, a line break. It's maybe a little bit concerning with Britt. Maybe, but it kind of is his appeal. He's a very much an attacking second rower. He makes a lot of line breaks. He can score a lot of tries. So you kind of get to yeah. get that with him. His base isn't as high as other options maybe, but I don't know. You kind of get what you pay for with Nakora. He's just a solid mid-range option. You look at... Um, his All-Stars game, though, coupled with that game there, there is going to be some interest in Britain Nakora, I do think. Tommy, we put the question out the other day uh, on our Instagram. Maybe it was yesterday, uh, Sunday, Monday night, whatever it was. It must have been Monday night, end of the trials. And I asked, um, tell us who you think starred or who, who was hot and who was not from the trials. And um, this is what came back. We put it up on the screens now. And... I guess not really, you know, I can't really quantify this because there was a couple of responses that came through and it was hard to, I guess, tally the numbers up. But sort of ranked them in order of, of who polled the most votes that I could qualify anyway and from top to bottom. So Dylan Brown there on who impressed the most over the two weeks, probably more so in the last week against the uh, against the Panthers. Obviously, Nico Hines, who we've just spoken of, Luciano Leilua, Munster and Hughes got plenty of raps as well. And on the other side to that... Davida Pangai, I think there was plenty of, not hate for Pangai, but people were keen to say that he was a flop. Stefano Yutukamanu, who we spoke about as a, an option at front row, sort of of that Payne Haas mould, and we wanted him to get there at a mid-range price. We just didn't see it. The Broncos 5'8 was a regular response as well. Albert Kelly and Billy Walters, and of course two fullbacks in Savage and Kalen Ponga. How does that compare with what you saw in, I guess, the two or two and a half weeks of the trials if you want to throw in the All-Stars game as well? Uh, pretty 
pretty spot on. Um, Dylan Brown was probably not one I'd watch too closely, but I've seen in that um, bloke in a bar, NRL Guru chat, a rugby league guru, sorry, chat, they were pretty keen on Dylan Brown. And I don't know, is he, he's not really a super coach player, I don't think. Like he's, he's a good player at NRL level, but is he mm. a scorer in super coach? I don't know. I think I drafted him round three last year. I think I went Paps, Hughes, Brown. Like, and partly because of the lack of depth at 5'8", but also partly because on his worst day, he's making 30 tackles and seems to be able to bump a defender, has an offload in him. Like, on his worst day, I think his base was about 47, season 2020, ahead of the 21 draft. So, I don't know. I think he's right up there. In terms of his scoring, a lot of his output is dented, I think, by Gutho getting that last pass and to the trices but I think you could do worse at 5-8 this year than to find way for Dylan Brown more draft than classic I'd say yeah well he probably comes into consideration now after some good trials um on the flip side in the red there Kalen Ponga um I know you're not a big rap on Kalen I think I read the other day it could be wrong but he only had three runs or something against the store to be fair I don't know I Again, I didn't. It's funny. I didn't watch a lot of footy on the weekend, which is usually something I watch a hell of a lot of. But what I saw from Ponga, even against the the Dogs, who conceded thirty against the Sharks, Ponga didn't look great. I don't think we've said time and time again we don't rate the Knights. Um, I don't rate Ponga. I haven't since he made his debut. Like I've I've been vocal on that. I think he's a touch footy player. He, he's a highlight player. He just doesn't have the substance in his game. I don't think, to, to be in the conversation of those great fullbacks, Tedesco, Travojevic, Pappenhausen I'd have well in front of him, Latrell even, Gutho I'd have in front of him. When Roger was in the game, I'd have Roger in front of him. Uh, Reese Walsh, I think, has more potential at his age than what Ponga did when they were coming through. I don't know. I can just I can make a case for people around Ponga. I, I don't rate him at all. I see what you're saying. I rate him a bit higher than you, but I just think in his current Newcastle team, he's got nothing to work with. Their halves are real, real battlers, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to score that well this year because he's going to have to do everything, and I just don't think they're capable of Newcastle. I don't think Ponga is the sort of man that can just put a team on his back. Yeah. You look at his averages even from years gone before, and I, I mean, I think I look at uh, 2018, 19, whenever he sort of had his, his big year, I'll say. He was kicking goals. The Knights, I think, made finals, did they, 2018? I think when him and Pierce got to the club, they would have played finals footy. If not, they were right on the door of playing finals. And so much of his scoring, 25 30% was made up of goals. And we've yet to see him replicate that now he doesn't have the goal kicking. So he is, honestly, I can see him averaging 65 and under this year. I've got Walsh ahead yeah. of him, and I think you get Walsh four rounds later in a draft league. Yeah, it's funny. There's so many good fullback options. And to me, yeah, he's probably not even in the top, probably not even in the top seven, really. So, yeah, I think you'll see him, maybe other people are aware to that and you won't see him until later in drafts anyway. We'll get to our draft tips uh, ahead, or well, at the end of this podcast, ahead of our draft day. We're doing a, our own home draft this Friday night. But uh, I know that uh, for anyone that's listening to us and a couple of the other podcasts as well, we're doing a, a collective, uh, I guess it's a Podmasters Cup, I think it's called, where Tommy and I will have a combined team. We'll go up against the Whisper and Supercoach Experience and a couple of the other podcasts. I think the weekly rubdown guys might be in that one, which will be interesting, the draft experts. So see how we go. We'll get to our draft. We're talking a lot of draft for, uh, for a podcast that doesn't really talk too much draft. We're going to have a quick break. One more before we come back and we do our team updates. Uh, this is an exciting one. Um, 
Top tippers, we've had a couple of questions. Will we be running a tipping comp this year? Here's an answer. Introducing the next generation of sports tipping. Top tippers, the newest game for your favorite sport. Because not all sport matches are equal. Top tippers doesn't value each game equally. We utilize current market odds to formulate what games should be worth. This will reward the player who has the ability to pick the underdog. Top Tippers has also developed a bonus system that really fires the field up. Have you picked four winners in a row? That gets you a heater bonus. Got what it takes to play a hunch none of your mates will? Earn yourself a smug tip bonus that doubles your points. So, if you're tired of that one person who always tips the favourite, get rewarded for how good you are at tipping by changing your game. Download the Top Tippers app today and put your game knowledge to the test. Top Tippers changing the game welcome back supergo 365 podcast top tippers tommy will be running this uh this year you can search it simply download the app top tippers you'll get it at your app stores or google play uh let me bring it up here now effectively like the uh like the break just said there you'll get the the odds value via topsport.com.au as your points so round one for example roosters and the knights i think the roosters a dollar 20 knights about four dollars if you were to tip the knights and they win you get four points you tip the roosters they win you get 1.2 so uh, tommy i know you love backing favorites this app may be not for you but you'll play anyway no i'm pretty keen for this actually because like last year particularly with all those blowouts you know tipping comps became obvious really every week you're getting seven or eight so um you know, if the same thing is this year, if you want to tip an outsider, you're going to get, you know, five, six points as opposed to a dollar twenty. So it actually gives you a bit of a decision to make on every game. So I'm pretty excited. So you can either go into the app, as we say, download the app from the app store, Top Tippers, uh, proudly supported by topsport.com.au. Another one of these great initiatives that Tristan and the gang are getting behind. Search competitions, type in SC365. I'm doing it here now. It comes up on your screen. SC Listeners. You'll see it. Click and join it. Absolutely free to play. Uh, we don't know what the prizes are because I just came up with this tonight. So we'll get some prizes involved. We'll get people uh, on board. We'll promote this via Instagram as well. So you can find it there. Top tippers. Looking forward to that. You mentioned uh, tipping the outsiders. I think one that springs to mind last year, the Broncos at the cricket ground beat the Roosters. I think they were about $12 head-to-head before uh, before uh, a ball was kicked. And there's some double round points. So you, t- you couple them up and suddenly you're looking at 24 points for one game. So you get rewarded for tipping wide. Yeah, that was the night uh, Victor Radley went mental, wasn't it? Yeah. All those shoulder charges and simpins. I think, funnily enough, Pangai was on his behaviour that night as well. So <laughs> anyway, maybe they swapped the Gatorade Cups pre-game and uh, Radley had Pangai's and Pangai had Radley's and the Mad Pills were in Victor's in the end. All right, Tommy, let's talk our team. This is why everyone's here. Again, our team updates and some big movement here. Uh, one week out from Team List Tuesday. We'll just bring it up on your screens now. There it is. Uh, this is your team, Tommy. The Doja Cats. McKenna Scorn, probably the big change there at dummy half. Yeah, uh, force change, unfortunately. As we said at the top of the podcast, his injury is really hard to keep now. He's going to miss, they're saying, at least two weeks, probably more. So, yeah, no dice for me. I'm going to Marnie. I think he's the safest option at nine. He, he doesn't miss the first game like Grant does. And from what I saw from the Eels the other day, he was looking pretty solid. Uh, do you want me to go through my other changes now? Yeah, I mean, maybe just pull out the, the big ones there. I don't think we need to go 1-17. to 17, But um, obviously, Wade Graham, I see he's gone on the back of his injury as well. 
yeah, had to get rid of him. Uh, Ruben Cotter, I think he, from what I saw on Twitter, someone collated some scores the other night from the Cowboys game, and he was scoring at a really good points per minute rate. So I'm hoping he gets a spot in the in the side next Tuesday. So I've got him there. Uh, Jamin Jolliffe is uh, a genuine pod. He's zero percent owned. Uh, I could be really going out on a limb here, but I do think he's going to get a start in that Titans four pack. I think Tino's playing lock. So yep. if he can start the Titans four pack. He might be able to churn out 50-50 of a game. Uh, for the rest of my team, it's the same as it was last week. I've just put Suwali in on the bench instead of uh, Oliver Gildart. I think that's going to be, just going back to Jolof quickly there, I think that's going to be the play, isn't it? Having those two genuine cheapies on the bench, probably a Payne Haas or a Thompson maybe or Adam Fanua Blake, and then sort of that one mid-range option who you're hoping is going to give you as you say there, you'd probably be happy with 50. Anything more is a bonus. I see you've got Cleary there with Johnson in the halves, so you're happy to stick with Cleary. And then obviously questions around Pappenhausen's fitness as well. I'll, I'll ask you the question. If Cleary's out round one, Paps is out round one, where are you spending your $1.5 million? Yeah, it's it's massive, isn't it? Um, honestly, if Cleary's out round one, I don't know if I'd bother getting rid of him. If I know he's going to be back round two, uh, obviously there's a lot of water going on the bridge there, but I really just want to have Cleary from round two onwards at worst. Uh, perhaps maybe to Gutho. I think Gutho may be mm. the next best option. Leave your thoughts in the comment section again on Tommy's team. Uh, Bag me up. A couple of people that you fired up last week, which is interesting. No, it's good to see. It's good to have people uh, at least engaging with this, which is uh, which is a sign. You mentioned uh, some cheapies in your center wings there. Cooler, one of them. Jojo Fafita. I don't know. Well, we obviously didn't see him the other day because they didn't play, but he was solid enough against Stags that first week. And then the two Souths halves there, Taff and Ilias. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I'll, I had Taff and had had Taff for a long part of the preseason because Latrell was out two games. Now he's just out the one. Ilias looked solid enough. I don't know. I, I, again, this all could change when Cleary and Paps aren't named or are named round one. So we won't dive too much into this. Anything else we need to wrap up there with that one, Tommy? Of course, we'll go into a little bit more detail this time next week, Teamless Tuesday. Uh, not really. I just think I saw a few comments last week saying that my bench is very weak and look like I agree. But um, the plan really is to find cheapies next Tuesday and just hope that a few of these are named. Um, I think Tua Lungi there at 253. Mm. From what I've seen, he's actually going to get a start in the Tigers team. I could be wrong, but I'm just going off what I've read. So I'm hoping he does get a start. Yeah, he looks all right, doesn't he? Um, scored a couple of tries, I think. Or at least one that first game, uh, that first trial uh, against Manly that first week. But um, I don't know what's to go with Luke Garner because he, he had locked down that left edge spot for long parts of last year and the year before. Anyway, I think um, all in all, maybe a little bit more balanced team this week. But, I mean, that considered, we'll, we'll, be here, we'll say the same things next Tuesday night when or if and when that Cleary and, and perhaps are or aren't named. Uh, this is my team here for what it's worth, Bud's Battlers. Now, I cop some criticism as well about maybe the lack of depth. Um... I guess the big change there you see there at number one, Tommy Turbo not there. Now, why have I taken him out? I think I've taken him out because there were question marks around Paps, obviously, and the fact that Paps may not be there. I think I need two playing players, and the more I thought about it, I think I was impressed somewhat by Hines, and having that base there in his goal kicking those first couple of weeks may actually help. Like, if he kicked goals well, I think that's what I'm trying to get at there, is like... It was enough for me to say that if Turbo doesn't perform against the uh, the Panthers that first game, 
Hines maybe not as impacted that first week against the Canberra Raiders, who may concede some points, Tommy, given what you've what you've seen in the trials anyway, that Hines may not be as impacted against the Raiders as Turbo may be against the Panthers. Yeah, it's funny. I think you would even admit you've changed your tune a little bit on Hines because I know a few weeks ago you probably weren't that keen that he now he's like mm. going to a new club um, and out of that Melbourne setup. But are you willing to, I guess, risk and just hope that he can score? And obviously the goalkeeping is a big help as well. Let me rewind the conversation a little bit. So you look at my team there now on your phone and you'll see... I did say last week, and I haven't changed my tune on Turbo. I'm still keen to have Turbo in some capacity at some point. To answer your question about Hines, he's sort of there as a bit of insurance if Cleary is out because I'd probably just flip Cleary's million, find some cash elsewhere and get Turbo in. I don't think I can be without Turbo and Cleary that first week. Hines got enough coverage at halfback. He's probably the if not the second best option, the third best option at halfback. And uh, Hughes, I'd have Hughes maybe slightly ahead of Cherry Evans. Uh, and obviously if Turbo isn't doing Turbo things, Cherry Evans is impacted there as well. I've got Sexton in at the second halfback slot as opposed to um, Blake Taff, who I think I had this time last week. Again, sort of that insurance, a higher ceiling there as well. The Titans' first couple of weeks, we don't hate them. Um, and kicking goals, he kicks them like an arrow. So... I'm happy to have him there. Again, kind of on the proviso that Cleary's out. If Cleary's in, then maybe I, I change things up this time next week. Otherwise, getting up to the front row. Actually, let's go to hooker there. Brandon Smith, you'll see in. I think this time last week I had Carl Lawton and Randall. So Smith in, I just can't ignore him, given what I've seen last year, plus a couple of games in the trials. Yep, and we spoke about him a bit. Um, I think he's come into real consideration now that he's not missing game time. Uh, Jermaine Tanua-Brown, can I have your thoughts there? He's in there, much like you've gone Jolliff. I've gone someone less than 200. I can't remember what was Jolliff. Was he less than 200 or was he just over? But anyway. Yeah, 350. Yeah. Sort of in that middle tier. Not quite cheap. Not quite mid-range-ish or upper mid-range or premium. So I think he's got a biggish motor. I read something during the week. Might have even been on the Cowboys website how impressed Todd Payton has been with Tarnell Brown coming from the Warriors and I think I don't know where he was before that he might have maybe he was always at the Warriors and just couldn't get a go but anyway I, I think reading between the lines he's got the jump on some of those other ones like Griffin Neem um, Gilbert even uh, Dunn through the middle so happy to have him there at the price two bench forwards there Andrew Fafita and Daniel Saluka Fafita I said this to you yesterday Arguably two of the most impressive, I think. Two players that probably had the most to gain, given their situations. Fafita coming back, Andrew, from near death last year. And Saluka Fafita, his performances for the Roosters, they were borderline worthy of getting the sack. Like, he'd come on and he'd cost them penalties or he'd get sin-binned. They both look to play this new year, at least the trials, with a new attitude, a new lease on life. Yeah, I think that Saluka Fafita, I agree with you, because last year, he obviously, I think he punched Jai Arrow in the head and he got Simbin. It was another game he did something silly. Yeah. But the fact that he's back this year and starring, like Trent Robinson obviously sees something in him and he's obviously a pretty good player. So I will probably try and find some room to to get him on my side too because I think he's going to be, yeah, a decent scorer at 205K. Why not? I think, yeah, that price there is giving him, he's priced off a 22-point-per-game average. If he comes on and plays 25, 30 minutes... 15, you know, either side of half time. I'm happy with that because he's not costing me anything to have him there anyway. Like, who else are you getting? Maybe Max King at the Dogs, who's been pretty good. Maybe even a slight downgrade in price, but maybe an upgrade on performance. 
For feed-up, Tupanua, Fermor, the two Titans there in the back row. Some questions about this on our live stream the other day. Can you have both of these guys? I think yes. I think the way they play is pretty dynamic. Like, obviously, David Fafita, we know. Tupanua, a try-scorer. Fermor, I think he's just as good as uh, Tupanua, at least in terms of what his strike rate will be, finding the try line. He's fast. I think he's one of the fittest, the fastest, and, and the strongest. You read the Titans' website, they put out the, the stats of their gym report, and Fermor almost topped the category in, in every single list. Yeah, well, um, well, from what I've seen from him, he's a pretty good scorer on Supercoach. Whenever he started last year, whether it be in the centres mm. or in the second row, he's pretty good attacking player. So, yeah, I, I don't have him on my side, but he's no knock at all. I think that's a pretty good option. And obviously for feeder, we're expecting the big things, aren't we? I would have loved to have seen him on the weekend if mm. the game wasn't up postponed, but I've still got him anyway. With Firma, I'll say, excuse me, I'd rather have him in my centres. But I don't think you'll find someone priced that, you know, 380 thereabouts in the centres that would do as good a job. I've got Xavier Coates in the centres at 358, who's much like Adokar, who he's had at the top, that high ceiling, but needs tries on that storm left edge to have any relevance. Coates has maybe had one or two hit-ups per half, which compare that to Brian To'o, like the best of the best. Even Adokar got through more work than that. So, uh, yeah. Nathan Cleary there still, Sexton as well. The bench, sorry, just quickly going back to the second row. Bullymore, Tuolungi, who you've already mentioned, and Jack Howarth there. Jack Howarth, the only real out-and-out cheapy or enough that may not see minutes. So I've sort of gone for that bigger squad. That was a lot of the feedback last week on our comments. Yeah, it's, it's a big one. Like, do you go for that bigger squad or you just prioritise your first 17? I, I don't know. Um, obviously, you want to make money. But then again, I don't really want to waste a lot of my money just on non-playing players. I, I don't know. It depends how you want to start the year, I guess. I think, yeah, as you say there, there's two approaches. And there's almost three approaches this year. Like, there's the there's the long game. Like, you look at 25 weeks, you plan your trades out, and you obviously play the cash cows early. Then there's the, the I guess, the 2020 version of the game, if you want to say that. Like, come out, spend your money on 17 guns or, or 17 high-scoring players and, and make points. Then there's sort of that mid-range option where you get a mix of both, and obviously this team here of mine, Smith, Brandon, Payne Haas, Fafita, Cleary, uh, Staggs to a degree, Tedesco, Hines, high-ceiling players, you'd say, in each of their positions. And then you can almost flip them, and the trade boost is going to open up a whole new can of worms, I think, come round three, round four. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how people use those boosts. Like To me, it screams origin. But obviously, I think a lot of people will be using it earlier too. And obviously, injuries and, and COVID is another one. Like, if we have players pulling out yeah. for COVID during the week, it's going to cause absolute chaos, isn't it? That's sort of why I've gone the, the full squad. So if, I don't know, Cleary gets COVID again. I know he's already had it, but he gets it again mid-season. Maybe Sexton comes in. I don't know. I think if it's not Sexton, maybe it's someone. So I've tried, and you look at the centre wings, I think I had two nuffs there last week, at least one in Isaiah Tass or Paul Alamotti, Ben Turbo, maybe another one. Three playing centre wings, I think. Uh, Amone, Pereira and Robert Jennings, who I said on the live stream the other day, probably the forgotten man of the cheapy world this year, Robert Jennings, because he's going to be on that Panthers right wing, I think. I think he beats out Staines. 229k He's not setting the world on fire, Robert Jennings, but he's playing player. You know, in a premiership winning team, he's going to do a job. Yeah, exactly. Anyone on the end of that back line at Penrith is worthy. And 229, that's hard to knock back. Staines, he just hasn't kicked on, has he? Um, obviously scoring four tries on the bill, I think, against the Sharks. But yeah, yeah he's really falling down the pecking order. 
Uh, that's about it for the teams. Obviously, Kurt Mann's still there at 5'8", which I don't love. And I've said this a couple of times. I think that, that Kurt Mann stands under the post for 40 minutes in each of those first... Well, two of those first three games against the Roosters and Panthers. I can see cricket scores at the cricket ground uh, round one. And I think they're away round three. Don't quote me. But if they're... At, actually, I think it's at Bathurst. Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. at Bathurst. We know that Penrith have, have done a number on teams there in the past. Anyway, that's it for our teams. Uh, to this point... Uh, let's talk a bit of draft before we wrap this up. We've gone on over an hour, but all in all, leave your comments on the video on the teams. If you're not watching on the video, some of that may be hard to make sense. Head on over to our YouTube, Supercoach365. We're a little bit more visual this year, Tommy. We may have a head for radio, but the content at least is a bit more appealing than yours and I faces. Uh, yeah, well, you know, if you want to try and explain a team, it's so much easier just to look at it, really. Oh. Um, so... Yeah, head on over to our YouTube because obviously you've got to put up with our, our faces, but you also get some decent graphics to go along with it. In the past as well, I think we've done our live streams. When we've done them, ad hoc, a bit sporadic. Is that a word? Sporadic? Sporadic. Sporadic. <laughs> Intermittently. Spasmodically, I'll say. Uh, we've done them sort of ad hoc uh, via Instagram, but we'll be doing those maybe a little bit more scheduled throughout the season on YouTube. We'll go live, Tommy and I or I or whoever's around at any given time. Anyway, Tommy, let's wrap this up. An hour and seven minutes. Let's talk a bit of draft because we've said at the top it's it's draft season. Uh, we're doing ours Friday night. A lot of well, a lot of comps, a lot of leagues will do theirs this Friday, Saturday, Sunday before next week's team list Tuesday. I want to know from a man who's tasted the the very sweetness of draft success. What is your best tip for draft players? Or do your best tip, your next best in terms of something to avoid and a, a secret draft, well, not too much of a secret, but something, a draft question that will shape, shape a lot of leagues this year. Your best tip, something you must do, all draft players this year before draft day. Look, honestly, last year has really shaped my answer to this question. I think you need to have a strong captain, someone that can go mm. a big score, like 100. Mm-hmm. Like, don't pick a Ford first up who's going to average 70 but never get above 100. Big scores win draft generally, especially in captain's leagues. If you're getting players scoring 120 and you captain him, you're going to win your head-to-head game. So try get a really high ceiling captain in your first pick. It's funny because you and I are both pro-captains in draft leagues. I know a lot of people aren't. They sort of say it's unfair, and I can get that. Players like Turbo, Turbo particularly, has sort of broken the game. Cleary at different stages last year. We're pro-captains because get to Sunday afternoon and you need a miracle. You're slapping that captain on a Ewan Aiken or a Chanel Harris-DeVita or Bo Firm or maybe even come this uh, this year's Sunday afternoon 40, whoever it is, someone that you you know may get two or three tries on a whim. We like the captaincy play. Yeah, I think it just adds an extra element. And obviously, it makes that first draft pick a lot more important, I think. Um, obviously, uh, in our draft this Friday, neither of us are getting turbo. We're not the top pick. So mm. immediately, you know, you're up against the client because they're going to captain turbo every week. So you've got to come up with someone to try and combat that. And yeah, go for high ceiling players, I would say. And you can go into the depths of research as to, particularly you look at just as important as a, as a captain is that second pick, usually your vice captain. So that's the way you should see it, I think, just to go off your point there. Your first pick should be your captain most weeks. Your, your second pick should be your vice captain or vice versa, depending on the order they play that week. You get first go at a vice captain. So you want that second player to be someone maybe even more high ceiling, lower floor than your first pick, i.e. a Ruben Garrick. If you're playing 10, 12-man league, you can get Garrick that late maybe. 
Yeah, exactly right. Because I think you're alluding to the loophole here, aren't you? With uh, yeah. your vice captain, you always want to put your vice captain early in the round and then your captain late if you can work it like that. Um, I don't know. I kind of think loopholes are a little bit against the spirit of the game, but everyone does. Yep. Well, I mean, you can't have a captain without a vice captain, so just as important. Anyway, uh, your next best tip, something not to do on draft day or draft week or even maybe throughout the course of a draft season, something maybe you've learned the hard way, something not to do. Yeah, probably something during the draft not to do. Maybe don't pull out a roughie too early. Uh, So if you've got a player, a cheapie or someone that other people aren't going to pick up that you really like, you don't need to pick him up too early because chances are if it's someone very obscure, no one else is really thinking of him. So you don't want to just, play your cards too early because then you're giving up other good players which you could have had um i'm obviously not going to say the examples i have in my head now because i'm firsting ryan in a draft but uh, i would say that just just think about when you really should pick these players up conversely to that i'll say if you love them and you think well i want this guy back your gut if you if you value him more than maybe others will i know you shake your head there but i've done a draft today another one funnily enough and I was getting criticised. I'm taking this guy too early. This guy, you know, there was value on the table. Well, you know what? Something that the weekly rubdown guys say is back your gut and somewhat unrelated to to Supercoach, a little less strategical. Just pick some of your favourite players. Like Brian To'o, if you want to sit down and watch To'o, or if it's Paps in my case, who I'd love to have, who I know I'm not getting this year, pick your players you want to sit down and watch. At the end of the day, it's just a game. Yeah, it's all relative, I guess. I, I'm more just saying, like, last year in one of our drafts, uh, we had someone pick David Nofaluma at pick four. Like, stupid. things like that. Like, if you know yeah. that really he's not going to be in the top ten, you don't need to pick him that early. That's more what I'm saying. No, getcha. Uh, something else I'd say there, next best, something not to do, is don't burn your waiver too early. If you're in a league that does, uh, I think it's first pick to last, so not the reverse ladder, really value that waiver because it's going to come in... in uh, to a lot of value at some part in the season. Last year, we saw players go undrafted. We've already mentioned Garrick. Some leagues, he would have went through to the keeper. Nico Hines, Isaiah Papali'i. In the past, these young players have come onto the scene. Ryan Pappenhaus in 2019. I don't think he made his debut to round 14, 13 magic round, whenever that was, 10 maybe. Anyway, you get my point. Don't burn that waiver. It's It's almost as important as two trades in classic, For I guess, if you want to try and give some relevance yeah no you're right um you got to make sure you're up there on the waiver wire and you're only really spending it on a good play because there's going to be circumstances during the year where a player becomes very valuable that you weren't expecting and you want to be there ready to take advantage of that so yeah don't be wasteful one more jumping back to something that i'd say to do is um i know some people were more feel on draft day, they, they obviously do their research before and they don't bring in pen, paper, spreadsheet, marbles, pigeons, whatever it is. I would be making a list of the players, either side of you and your snake, who they're grabbing, i.e. write their teams down. Because if you know the guy after you's already picked a halfback and you're on the end of the snake or vice versa, you can sort of let players go through to the keeper, pick someone else because you know that the player you may want later on in these later rounds they're not picking them up, so you can get them one round later. Target your team around what the teams around you are targeting. That makes a bit of sense. Yeah, maybe don't have eight beers before you start picking players either. 
maybe stay sober so you can make some good good decisions. <laughs> they do go hand in hand, though, don't they? Draft days and uh, a couple of cold, frosty to his news. All right, the last one, Tommy. This is sort of a, I guess, a miscellaneous question or an exhibition question, whatever you want to call it. If you had pick three in a draft, would you personally pick Ryan Pappenhausen or James Tedesco, considering what we've seen the past couple of years from Paps, Ted, their injury histories, your expected output of them both this year, and also maybe even have a look ahead to their finals run. It's a genuine toss of the coin for me. My heart says Paps, my head probably says Teddy. Yeah, it's splitting hairs really. Um, very tight. I probably just go Paps just because he's doing the goal kicking and Storm, as we saw last year, can put on some massive scores. And if he's just kicking goals, maybe that puts him slightly ahead of Teddy. But yeah, there's nothing really in it. Yeah, I'd go Paps. Teddy, but then as I say, you're getting Teddy at pick four. Whoever's pick four, I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible good. He was pick one for a long time. Until we uh, shifted him off the throne this time last year, mate, when we had Cleary at one. We were made to look silly anyway. Uh, sorry, we were made to look silly by Turbo in the end, so not uh, not beating that drum too much. Anyway, Tommy, let's leave it there. Hour and 14, big episode, big week of trials gone, bigger week next Tuesday to come. Teamless Tuesday, we're looking forward to it here. Supercoach 365 podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Only a week away from footy, Teamless Tuesday, and all the drafts getting away, so great time of year. Look forward to that and so much more. We'll keep you abreast with all the news at Supercoach365 on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. Looking forward to the footy, which is to come. Again, pinch ourselves just seven days away. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a like, thumbs up, bell on, because we're going live at some point. Tommy and Ryan, speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.